is going on? Why is the cantor talking? Some of you may be relieved to find out that I actually can speak after all these years. Uh, so the nice part is that the bar is fairly low for me this evening. I'm trying to capture this for posterity, but anyhow. Okay, we'll work on that another time. I know, it is funny. <laughs> so, I'd like to start by saying Shabbat Shalom. <laughs> that's how we start these things, right? Yeah, that's good. good. Good start. So this is a quote from Martin Buber. When two people relate to each other authentically and humanly, God is the electricity that surges between them. So, I wanted to talk about the definition of holy. According to Webster's, it is exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. Could also mean devoted entirely to the deity or the work of the deity, a holy temple, holy prophets. It could be used as an intensive, like holy smoke, or you guys may use it a little differently, but <laughs> to each his or her own. Um, so the other day I was hiking in the Phoenix Mountain Preserve and I made my way up to the highest point in the trail and I turned to face the valley below. The sun was just beginning to set and the clouds formed an interesting pattern like a wake behind a boat in the lake. Uh, the sun left a trail of yellow and orange and red streaming across the sky. I thought I would try to give you a little visual, see if that works. Nope. You'll have to picture it in your imaginations. I was moved by the beauty of my surroundings, and I felt very much connected to God, to myself, to the universe. I was aware of a strong sense of joy moving through my body, even to the point of laughing out loud, hoping no one else was around to wonder about the source of my humor. For me, this was a holy moment. I find this sense of holiness at other times as well when I'm able to disappear into my music and lose the sense of my separate self in the sound of my voice and the guitar. I find it during meditation when the thoughts finally drift away and all that's left is the sense of presence, of joy, and of being in the moment. I also feel it when Sander snuggles into me and wraps his arms around my neck. These are moments that could be seen as ordinary, as human, but there's something about them that sets them apart from the mundane. In this week's Torah portion, Kitisa, Moses comes down from Mount Sinai carrying the tablets of the Ten Commandments in his arms, only to find the Israelite people worshiping idols and dancing around a golden calf. Moses is so enraged that he takes the tablets and smashes them to pieces. He destroys the golden calf and has the ones responsible for these actions put to death. He then returns to God on Mount Sinai and he asks for forgiveness for his people. He carves a second set of tablets upon which he then inscribes a new set of commandments according to God's words. He returns to his people with his face shining so radiantly that he must cover it except when he's speaking with God or teaching God's laws to the people. This portion for me raises several questions. First of all, how can Moses justify breaking this first set of tablets upon which God has inscribed the law? There's no mention of any punishment for Moses for this action. 
And keep in mind, later in our story, Moses is not allowed to enter the promised land after tapping on a stone twice instead of once. You would think that this is a more serious offense. And yet there's no response from God. There's a midrash about this particular scene from Yalkut Shmone 393 that says, before Moses smashes the tablets, that the letters that had been ascribed, inscribed on them actually float back up to heaven. The tablets lose their holiness, and then Moses is able to destroy them. So how does this apply to our lives? How do we maintain, maintain the sanctity of what's important to us? How do we draw a line around the things that truly matter to us and ensure that their meaning and their sacredness is not lost in the shuffle of everyday life? I would suggest that the answer lies within us and our ability to be present in our lives. Again from Martin Buber, when I confront a human being as my thou and speak the basic word I thou to him, then he is no thing among things, nor does he consist of things. He's no longer he or she, a dot in the world grid of space and time, nor a condition to be experienced and described, a loose bundle of named qualities. Neighborless and seamless, he is thou and fills the firmament. Not as if there were nothing but he, but everything else lives in his light. If we are able to be fully present to those people who are most important in our lives, we are more likely to see them as divine beings deserving of our full attention. I think most of us are aware of how to act and treat one another when we're in the moment. So the question becomes, how do we achieve being present more of the time rather than just falling into unconscious patterns? One way to accomplish this state of being present is through the practice of meditation. Spending even five minutes a day in silence is a reminder to listen, to pay attention to the thoughts that are swirling around in our heads and to be aware of the things that are distracting us from what is right in front of us. There's a place within each of us that is our divine placeholder, that place where God's presence, or Shekhinah, exists within our souls. That's the place we can go to when, when life gets messy. Sitting in silence helps to rejuvenate us and makes us whole again. We determine what is holy in our lives through our, intention, our intentionality that we bring with us. By being more intentional in our thoughts and our actions, we can ensure that we are saying what we mean and doing what we said we would do. Judaism also has a built-in set of mitzvot or commandments that are meant to make us more fully conscious of how we are living our lives and treating the world around us. We can choose one commandment each week or each month to live by and observe how it shapes our interactions. One last suggestion is the process of journaling. Through writing down our thoughts, we can see more clearly the patterns and thoughts that accompany us most of the time. We can look back on our thoughts and writings over time and gain a different perspective on the stories we're telling ourselves in our own words. Through this awareness, we have the power to change our own narratives. The next question this Torah portion raises is, what are we treating us as sacred that we need to let go of? We sometimes find ourselves in situations where we've lost sight of the original intention, the joy, the motivation that caused us to choose those situations to begin with. This can apply to jobs, relationships, places where we live, hobbies, etc. Rather than simply saying that this is the way I've always done it 
and accepting that we're stuck in the situation, we can recognize our own power to create a new story. Moses shows us that sometimes it's only through the destruction of the first narrative or the set of tablets that something more true and authentic can come into being. What stories are we telling ourselves about our past that are limiting our options in the present and the future? What is the narrative that we're treating as our sacred cow that cannot be touched or rewritten? By rewriting our past, we can rewrite our future. We control the narrative. We can decide the truth of who we are. When Moses returns to Sinai to talk once again with God, God says that he will write the tablets again, the same as the original ones. However, in the end, it is Moses who writes the tablets. In fact, God commands him in Exodus 34, 27, Write you these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. This shows us that we each have the power and in fact the obligation to write our own stories. What things in our lives have become like our golden calf? What things do we give our power away to? Is it money, power, sex, drugs, alcohol? How have we allowed these things to attain the status of holiness? And how can we use the power of our own narrative to write a new story? In the same spirit, what things in your life are you treating as mundane that need to be treated as sacred? As you look around your life, what are the things that really matter? They ask the question, if your house was burning down and you had to grab three most precious things before escaping to safety, what would they be? Would they be the people sitting next to you? Would they be family pets, photo albums, journals? What do these things tell us about what's truly important? And are we consciously treating those things and those people with the love and, they re and the respect that they deserve on a daily basis? It's all too easy to take the things closest to us for granted and to assume that they will always be there. In making these daily choices, we have perhaps the greatest power to shape the world around us and to define what is holy in our lives. Rabbi Alan Lurie says that, from a Jewish perspective then, holiness is not something that can only happen separate from the world in soulful prayer and meditation. Holiness is something that can and must occur at every moment of our lives as we choose to act from our highest selves in service to others instead of indulging our urges towards selfishness or apathy. This choice does not come from a momentary good feeling or from guilt and shame, but it is a deliberate and systematic mechanism for growth and contribution. The more difficult the challenge, the greater is the impact and the holier is the act. The beauty of this story about Moses and the second set of tablets is that every failure, every disaster that happens over the course of our lives can be redirected as a source of good and healing. Rather than looking at our mistakes with regret, we can realize that something even more powerful and impactful can come from them. We are here to learn and grow. We probably learn more from our grief and our mistakes than we do from our successes. You may already know this, but after the Israelites moved on from Sinai and carried the tablets with the Ten Commandments with them, they also carried in the Mishkan the fragments of the original tablets. This served as a reminder to them that from the fragments of past mistakes, a new, more authentic reality is born. This week, let us become more present to ourselves and to the world around us. Let us take time in silence 
And let us also take the time to express our gratitude to God and to the people around us for all the ways in which they contribute to our lives. Let us learn to forgive ourselves for our past failings and try to be grateful even for our difficulties because they have shaped us and made us stronger. And let us write a new story for our lives, one filled with holiness and blessing. Shabbat Shalom.